Welcome to episode 8 of Caravan Conversations. I'm back on the Gold Coast and it's time to talk all things vegan with Cell from Biscuit and Jason from Perform360. Two very different guys, each with their own unique take on why plant-based living just makes sense. This is the tale of veganism from two angles. The first as a commercial offering of healthy food choices from the Gold Coast-based biscuit dining experience. And the second from a known vegan athlete who seems to defy the odds as a natural athlete who refuses meat. In the modern time, plant-based living is on the rise. And right or wrong, consumerism is proof that not only does it have a place, but it's here to stay. Strap yourself in for a conversation that's being had more and more often. And as you'll notice, these vegans are just normal blokes who have made a sustainable life choice. The days of vegans being branded as emotionally unstable hippies has turned, as many people now start to consider what the world and its inhabitants will look like 50 years from now if we continue on the same path. This podcast is proudly brought to you by PSC Metabolics. Deal with your weight issues from within. For more information on metabolics, please visit pse.com.au. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of Caravan Conversations. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host and owner of PSE Supplements. And today I'm pumped to be sitting here with a couple of lads that's going to make this a cool show. And you know what, boys, this is the first time on Caribbean Conversations I've actually sat with more than one person, so you're the first too. Welcome. But um, today's a topic um, in many ways that, it's a funny one for me as a clinician, Um, I generally try to balk at um, topics that are fence-sitting topics, I generally tend to balk at topics which are um, controversial um, for the sake of being controversial, and I tend to balk at things that are fads in many ways, you know, but I, I think that when we, when we look at veganism, which is of course our topic for today, um, I have much interest in it um, for a handful of reasons of which I will disclose today, but I think it's a, uh, an area of interest which has shown not to be a fad, it's an area of interest which science is validating um, in many ways, and I'm really pumped today to have two different people here with us. Uh, the first is uh, Celisi Birdie, otherwise known as Cell, who is the co-owner of uh, Biscuit, which is a cafe and restaurant up here on the Gold Coast at uh, Nobby's Beach, and uh, also um, the, uh, the owner and, and, and co-creator of Cocoa Whip, which many people would know uh, doing the rounds in Australia at the moment, which is an amazing vegan-based product, uh, which is essentially a soft serve, um, but done in a way that's no, non-dairy and no sugar and no bullshit, which is amazing. But um, I think the, um, the best part about today is the fact that we've got Cell here to talk about veganism on a commercial level uh, and his personal thoughts. And then I've also got Jason here from Perform360, which is a performance-based facility in Brisbane, who will be talking about um, his personal experience as a vegan. So uh, a couple of years ago now, Jace went completely uh, vegan. Um, It was something that um, he thought of for a little while and was introduced to and just decided to cut meat completely out of his diet after smashing kilos of the stuff daily as a natural bodybuilder for many, many years. So um, welcome to the show, boys. Um, Thanks for making the trip down, Jace. Yeah. Thanks for opening your house up to us, Cell. Yeah, um, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. So um, we'll start with you first, Cell. So um, back when I first met you, you were Body Science or BSC, as most people yep. would know, a great Australian supplement company, and um, you were involved in all facets of that business. And um, I was talking to you down at the uh, CrossFit Regionals, I think, in 2014, yep. and you were just about to leave and move up here and start this cool thing called Biscuit. So yep. tell us about Biscuit. Yeah, cool. So it was... Um came about, I was, I was at Body Science for roughly about seven years and um, I've always loved health and fitness and all aspects of it and that was a great company to to get started in and do all, all my trade there and I kind of um, got to the process where I wanted to get back to, I guess, actual proper food, not 
solely working around supplements um, and working working back at the grassroots level with food. So I was fortunate enough to start that with a good friend of mine and business partner, Danny. Um, and we just got to work on, at that stage, I continue to work at Body Science. We just got to work on trying to work out a concept that was inviting enough for the general population to experience health food in a non-intimidating manner because previous to that I would always go to health food places that I really enjoyed but I could see how other people would... It'd freak them out. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was a case of it was a bit too much too early and in complete honesty the people that were in that health food world also made it uninviting yeah. to the to the general consumer and then at the same time would also, I guess, come back with the fact of I don't know why more people don't eat healthy Yep. But they weren't, ma- they weren't opening the doors to make it easy enough and, I guess, it, inviting enough for the, for the general population to eat that way. So we started Biscuit and then... Um, and what's Biscuit, by the way? I'm, I'm intrigued to know what the name is representative of for you. Oh, it was just a, it was a story. Um, I'm from Africa and so is Danny and I, I went back there probably five years ago um, yep. to see some relatives in Ghana. And it's a long journey from Australia to Ghana. It's about five flights and takes 30-plus hours. And when Maybe I got you can th- just show me photos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when I got there, there was um, I met, obviously, all my relatives and one of the people in the community, the elders, they often, when someone comes from a long journey, they talk about um, any long journey, you need sustenance um, and health support to get from one to the other because they're tribal and usually that's a journey to war or the afterlife or something like that. And then they told a story about a biscuit often being used as the fuel source because it would stay dehydrated for months at a time if they were crossing a desert or going to war or whatever it was. It was compact. It was easy to carry around. And I thought, that's a cool story. And that's a cool super name. cool. It's got that cultural connection for you too, you know. Yeah. Because you said we're a long way from Africa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you got a little bit of Africa in, uh, in Nobby's Beach, which is cool. Yeah, so that, that, was, um, that was a story. And then... The, I realised that when we were trying to do a logo for it, um, spelling out biscuit never really looked very cool or looked very good with the logo. So then I thought if we abbreviate it, um, create it into a rectangular shape, it would, it would work a lot better. And then, um, yeah, that was... Graphic design always wins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then we um, we went with BSKT and, yeah, yeah. that's how it came Mate, I've, uh, I've frequented your cafe probably... I've been up here on the Gold Coast for a month or so and... Uh, I've been there on Mondays, I've been there on Thursdays, and it's always fucking busy. Yeah. Always. And it's funny, with JC, was coming down the freeway from Brisbane, and I gave him a call to make sure he was cool, and um, I said, oh, mate, it's, you know, Saturday Arvo, it'll be sweet there. Yeah. You rock up, the place is full, and there's a wedding upstairs. So yeah, yeah. Obviously, people are loving the concept, right? Yeah, it's good. I think people um, people can take what they want from it with without it... Um, at the same time being too too full on so if someone wants to have a wedding there there's still the options for and, and most people yeah, that have been beef and fish exactly yep. they they they're not going to go to a wedding and i guess the majority of the people at the wedding aren't going to really be overly thrilled if you only served them tofu and superfood salads and the likes of that type of stuff but there are a lot of people at the wedding hang that, on, hang on. Jace's mouth's watering. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds ideal to a lot of people like us, but yeah. we, we understand that. So I guess we always have the options available and we prefer to deliver those options, obviously, but we also understand that it, although veganism and vegetarianism has been around for from the dawn of time, obviously, um, from the very start, it's a case of our culture it moves so far in one direction particularly Australian culture that yep. to try and anyone that's ever seen a full shock system to try and just go bring everyone back to what I know we're all promoting but it's it's I, I believe it's the wrong way to try and push something down people's throats yep. I think it's a better method to show them hey this is what you do like here yep. are foods that we know you will equally like you do have the option, but slowly bring them through the stages rather than saying, go cold turkey, we don't have any of that. It's got to have been hard too, I'd say. You know, like you can go back really 30, 40 years, you look at you know, the Atkins diet and these sorts of things. You know, the yeah. rise and rise and rise of high-protein diets. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, when I say takes veganism off the menu, we know that's not correct, but in the, yeah. in the eye of the general consumer, it's yeah, like, 100%. well, that's where all your protein lives in, in, yeah. in, their, in their mindset, you yeah. know? So. Um, no one's naturally going to be gravitated towards, you know, a 300-gram a tofu steak necessarily. No, of you course know? not. But um, 
That's really interesting. So tell us about Cocoa Whip because I think Cocoa Whip's a, an easy introduction to veganism, right? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us how that came to be. Yeah, cool. So Danny, Danny my business partner, um, has done quite a lot of different things over the world and he also had a background in heavily based around machinery and the likes of that type of stuff. And we, when we started Biscuit, he already knew Jace from JT's Coconut Water and they had um, long talked about all these different coconut products. And when we had started the restaurant, um, which there still is, and they're doing massive stuff, there was an acai craze. And our only issue with it was the time, the length of time it took to make the product. When, as you've been to the restaurant, it's so busy to begin with, we couldn't really spend further time from the kitchen to the bar making, blending, smoothing, all that type of stuff. And we were looking for a quick, healthy option that was still satisfying, but we we really wanted it to be vegan. Um, but we wanted to give someone that ice cream, ice cream feeling. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole experience that comes with ice cream, particularly soft serve. So when coconut water, when we really started getting into coconut water, it actually led us to getting into coconut through the whole restaurant so we started roasting our vegan olive with coconut chips and coconut oil and coconut syrup um we would only serve coconut sugar for coffees in the restaurant no refined sugar um and then when we started looking at what you could actually do with the coconut we realized that if you have the water the oil the coconut powder the coconut fat you got a product coconut sugar if you combine all of them together you can create something that doesn't have to be dairy based that can be flavoursome, really nice, great for people that are kids, great for even females that are pregnant, um, still holds all the electrolyte properties, all the good stuff from a coconut. Mm. And then we just started playing around with that. We got a we got a soft serve machine, an old one, just started running trials and mixes through there. Um, some were successful, some were terribly unsuccessful, and we just kept going back and forth till we eventually arrived where right. we are now but still still looking to make improvements wherever we possibly can. How lucky to, to have someone in the world of nutrition, someone in the world of manufacturing and machinery. Yeah. And then someone that's got a coconut water business. Almost a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, yeah. We're fortunate that um all of us have have different backgrounds that um that can merge um really well which is which is ideal for for everything that we do really so it's um yeah, it's a great partnership so tell me about um your interest in in the vegan lifestyle cell because um you know i know you don't um necessarily consider yourself vegan nor promote it yet i know yeah. through conversation with you that it, it's a good 80 to 90 percent of the way you live so yeah. just tell us your your personal reasons and and obviously being a you know a skilled person in the world of nutrition you know what sort of led you down that road to think of it as being a viable option for you um, I guess probably like most of us um, that are previous athletes or bodybuilders or worked in worked in that space, um, when you have a background that is heavily meat based, um, where I know, like for example, Jason doing stuff in bodybuilding and I was rugby league, where I was a forward as well. You basically were told you can't survive unless you're 105 kilos in this position. That yep. was my second row was my position. Yep. And then next to that, you can't. You, the only way you can sustain that is by eating a heap of red meat, a heap of chicken, X, Y, Z, all the, all the normal stuff that I know a lot of people have heard. And even though I had done nutrition as the basis and I was obviously doing stuff with formulas for um, whey protein powders and all the likes of that type of stuff, it was a case of when I first actually started looking at it, I was just going, the commercialization process of what we were doing completely seemed back to front when I fully started digging into where things were at. So the fact that the thing that would be on my plate, the process where it would go from, and, and it wasn't so much like a, I guess, save the animals type of thought process for me, but I just thought it didn't make any sense that it would be a case of there's an animal that's eating, for example, it's grass-fed, say all these people that are looking to have all this nutrition. So the okay. animal, animal's eating grass, then we kill that animal, we yep. transport that animal, take it somewhere else, we'll package it up, put it in a nice glass packaging or plastic wrapper, put it on the shelf, I'll drive my car to that place, pick up that piece of plastic, put it down, put it in an oven, take it out, put all these different types of things on that after I've cooked it because... When people actually really think about it, when you just have straight meat, 
it doesn't actually taste very good. Yeah. And if you, worse yet, if you actually just didn't even cook it at all, you couldn't stomach it. Yeah. So then when I started looking at all those processes and I thought, well, if I went through the process of, say, I picked up some berries and I ate them and then I did the same thing with a piece of meat that was uncooked and I couldn't eat that, why am I continually looking at the piece of meat as the number one fuel source when it's gone through all these things versus an immediate fuel source that I can get that's directly in Closer front of me. Closer to nature. Yeah. So that was... That was the whole thing about that, and so I started looking at it from that point of view, from a dairy aspect, when I was doing products of body science, so that was when I wanted to introduce a naturals range of um, protein supplements that were free from dairy, vegan, and all that, so that type of stuff, and then I guess that was the first step when I looked at just from the dairy process, but then after looking at it from the dairy process, I started looking at it from the actual food consumption process, and then that kept leading on from there, and then I had some friends... Um, like a good friend of mine, Simon Barcino, who now lives in the UK but is looking to move back, that also me and him started reading some books and studies, like the China study. Yeah. Um, and then the, the rise of the internet made everything so accessible to see all these different things. I think a lot of people's eyes were opened up by cowspiracy. Mm. Um, and all the people that started looking at just the general pro- process of commercialisation started recognising there has to be a more sustainable manner and a better way to do this. So that was that was how it all got introduced to me and why I started thinking about going down that line. The not being 100% vegan yet, I guess, more so came about from the fact that always if the, if the vegetable and plant-based option is there, it's definitely my number one choice. Yep. There is, at the same token, a time where a lot of people right here right now that are in that space often sacrifice their health to go down that manner which mm. is admirable but at the same time yeah, it's stupid it's unright yeah, yeah. It, it can it, without having the knowledge and background they'll often see something and say it's not vegan or it's not this and when you fully look at it for example and i get like the hardcore vegan but if there's honey in something that i have I don't care. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm not saying that to be rude or offensive or anything like that. But it's a case of I sometimes I'll look at it and go, if that's a good fuel source for me, and it's gone through a process that hasn't harmed or hurt or environmentally affected the world in a bad manner, it's then a better I'll, option. Exactly. Then yeah. I'll then I'll consume it. Yeah. Um, the, the the same thing I guess in relation to things like palm oil. Um, there are some really good palm oil RSPO sources of using palm that are actually really beneficial and that aren't clearing out rainforests. Mm. I know being from Africa that there are, it's like actually our number one fuel source in Africa. If we didn't have palm oil, a lot of people would die over there. Yep. But from a strict hardcore vegan that you sometimes meet, they refuse to have palm oil because they may it's have a... a pre- sustainability aspect. Exactly. Yep. So... Um, that's when I would say, and there's other things, I guess, in that manner too, like um, when all, all I really try to look at is trying to find out where the source of the food has come from and making sure that it, one, represents your body as best as possible and two, isn't having a really negative effect on the environment. You bring about a very interesting point really just from uh, you know, a reality perspective of veganism because you know, veganism as we know is generally looked upon by most people as some kind of strange thing that yeah. you know, people do and, and there's unfortunately a lack of understanding around that but um, um, the thing that's of interest to me is that you're looking at it as a fuel source not necessarily looking at it from an emotive yeah. perspective around you know, cruelty and yeah. sustainability. Yet their benefits, right? Yeah. Of, of, of exactly. the lifestyle as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So it was, I guess, um, I always say that to people that I, and a lot of other people were a bit different in the sense that I looked at it as a health, a health reason first and then the benefits that came from it second being obviously the benefits to the planet. Yeah. Um, I, I know obviously a lot of other people look at it from the aspect of looking at it, the animals first. Um, yes. And a lot of those people look at the animals first, but they also didn't, I guess, take the time to understand the benefits it actually has to their health. Uh, To you now, Jace. Um, 
you interest me the most in many ways. Um, you know, awesome talking to Sal from that sort of um, commercial perspective and, and to see the, uh, the drive um, to sort of consumerism, offering people an option around, you know, um, non-meat variants. And, and I love that, Sal, because you're, all, you're always better to do something slowly but make a marked, you know, um, connection with someone yep. than you are to jam something down their throat and go bankrupt 12 months down the track, exactly. as we know. Yep. But uh, with you, with you, Jace, you're sort of someone that um, you know flies in the seat of adversity for for the average person that's going to want to you know uh, hoo ha veganism. Um, you know anyone that has been in the the training space, which all three of us have, will know that there are people out there. You know, Poliquin's a, a good example for it that says you must fucking eat meat to put muscle on, and, and that's it. You know, and uh, when challenged, I don't think he ever comes back with any you know, significant retort, but the, the, the theory and philosophy around it is the fact that you can't get enough essential amino acids, particularly branch chains, from, from you know, non-meat sources and that you know, vegan athletes are going to suffer fatigue and poor recovery and, and all the stuff that you know, athletes are obviously after. So tell us your story, Jace, because um, you know, driving over here, you and I have a, had, having a chat and you told me that you were just like everyone else, smashing meat. And, you know, um, lifting weights and trying to put on size. And it must have been daunting for you to make that decision that, you know what, I'm going to get rid of all that and I'm going to do the opposite of what I've done to this point. Um, I, I probably dare say that wasn't daunting. But, uh, yeah, just to give you a bit of background, it was definitely, I was consuming, you know, easily a kilo of red meat a day, um, you know, well above the... So you're just detoxing. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> that's all he's doing. That's <laughs> what I'm still trying to do, you know, three yeah. years on. But, um, you know, we were sort of brought up in this sort of mindset, as you said, about, you know, natural bodybuilding. You've got to put on as much muscle as you can. You've got to keep it lean tissue. And, yep. um, you know, we are sort of getting, you know, three to 400 grams of protein a day. And it was just, you know, that sort of lifestyle where we weighed every single thing that went in our mouth. And, um, you know, and, so and we were... you were a natural competitor, right? Yeah, so that's right. You yeah. weren't leaning on steroids and things no. in order to increase your protein synthesis. You were relying on training and protein, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because the way, you know, it was sort of you know, understood with a natural bodybuilder, they had to consume more than, I guess, the, you know, the non-sort of natural, um, you know, competitor because the synthesis wasn't as good. So, you know, some's good, more is better. You know, that's sort of the mentality. And, um, you know, and it just got, you know, to the point where, you know, you're weighing every single thing that goes into your mouth and you're sort of calculating, you know, you put on muscle, you've got to add more, you know, food and things like that. But, um yeah, I don't know what it was, and I guess I put it down to the sort of the birth of my, you know, first son. Um, my father passed away of bowel cancer when I was ten, and um, which we know is linked. You know, which we know is diseases linked to. Which we know meat. is linked to, you know, obviously the high meat consumption, and yeah. um, I guess you know, in my favour, it was all sort of grass-fed, you know, quality beef rather than sort of your, you know, your processed meats and things like that that um, have, have sort of contributed heavily to to bowel cancer. So. Um, I guess, uh, you know, realizing that when my son is 10, my, I'll be the age that my father passed away as well. So, um, sort of, you know, really sort of struck a chord with me and, um, was actually a new year's resolution. <laughs> I basically was going from that lifestyle to, you know, the first of Jan, um, and completely agree with Sal in, in, in transitioning slow for 99% of the population if they're going to start looking at plant-based. But for me, it was a cold turkey thing. Um, that's just me. That's my personality. But I would strongly recommend if you're looking at plant-based options, you will know your personality and what works best for you. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I believe, I don't know, there's too many people out there that have sort of transitioned like that. I, I actually don't know, but I probably wouldn't recommend it because of the lack of knowledge that they might have yeah. or um and i was really well supported by my wife and things like that and, and other friends and family so and was it a brutal transition um no i loved it yeah. felt amazing yeah. felt amazing i lost a lot of weight yeah. um because there's no way that even myself you know knowing the sort of things that i did about nutrition at the time i um you know to to lose a kilo of meat and calories and try and you know replace that yeah, with plants is yeah. It's a lot of food, and and I undercalculated. Not that I was calculating anyway, but I was you know severely under eating, I guess, in terms of calories. But my nutrient intake was far superior, so I weighed it up. You know, so I lost five kilos. My initial transition didn't bother me um, because I knew my my nutrient uptake was far you know far better than than what it was. So 
Yeah, no, I, I actually felt amazing. And so no change in you know, sustainability with workouts? You didn't find that your endurance or anything was affected by it? There was no headaches? There was no nausea? There was no allergies? Yeah, no. change to your bowels at all? Um, yeah, it was definitely, um, you know, definitely smoother and, and cleaner, you know, as far as, as far as that's concerned. Um, definitely noticed less bloating and things like that. And, and I guess it's just an intrinsic feeling that, you know, that something's not quite right and you can sort of feel I'm just getting a little bit, you know, a little bit heavy. There's the digestive system's copying a, you know, battering for the last 10 years and you just can feel it, you know, internally. You've got to know your body pretty well as well to sort of experience that and, and I think, you know, part of it is removing yourself from the situation and looking at it from the outside in and, and, and assessing that feeling yep. um, is, is, is one thing that probably needs to be dealt with but difficult for people to do. Yeah. And I think they take, you know, five seconds for themselves, let alone, you know, look at it from an external point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, no, it felt amazing. And what about, uh, I know there's a lot of... Um famous athletes these days that are coming out with the whole plant-based eating regime. So you've got people like Mike Tyson, you've got, you know, the, the Williams sisters. Um, I think Serena pretty much just supports her sister, but both of them are, you know, mm. like sell mostly plant-based uh, eaters. Mm. You've got Mac Danzig there in the, uh, in the MMA. People who are known to push their bodies hard that, mm. that are obviously requiring from that high level of, you know, of recovery. Um, that aren't necessarily even supplementing a lot. So even when you start looking at, you know, can you get enough protein from plant-based diets and the like, um, how did you go? Because, you know, if you were having three or 400 grams of protein a day, obviously a surplus, we know that. Mm. You weren't doing yourself any justice. Mm. But how have you, what are you weighing now? Um, 86, 87. And you're still trying to get around that sort of 170, 180 grams per day? Is that sort of what you're going for as far as, or you don't count it anymore? I I wouldn't even know what I'm getting in. So tell us how your body's changed. Um, you know, definitely find it a lot easier to keep, keep lean. Um, not that that's a, that's a byproduct of, I guess, eating more plants, but, um, uh, you know, to, to sort of fact and work out how many calories that I'm getting in a day, it's just too hard to work out. You know, you, you throw a smoothie in with, you got your chia seeds, your almond milks, and you've got your, you know, your spinach and your, you know, you might add a little bit of vegan protein powder or whatever it is and hemp seed and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, it'll take you three days to work out the calorie content, so I just, you know, why bother? Yeah. Um, just go by how my, you know, my body feels. I, I know it pretty well um, to when I you know, need to, you know, increase the food and increase the calories and things like that. So, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm high carb, you know, low fat, plant based. I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, high fat. It's it's just how my body feels. I think there's an intrinsic nature though with athletes. You know, when you train long enough and you train hard enough. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? Like there's an intrinsic level where you sort of know what you require. Mm. You get to a point where the need to calculate, you know, and look for algorithms around food mm. is, isn't always necessary. No. Um, are you capable of putting on muscle without meat? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. believe so. Yeah. I mean, this is where it's very subjective for me personally is, you know, everyone will say, well, you got your muscle gain, you know, when you were bodybuilding yeah, and blah, blah, blah. Before. And yeah. But also too, my training has changed. I'm not a bodybuilder. I don't train like that anymore. I train yeah. for more power. I train for calisthenic. I do gymnastics. I do yoga. Um, so my training has changed. Uh, I'm not lifting as much as what I was, but that's not important to me anymore. It's more about the longevity in my joints and things. So, you know, people will go, well, you know, you've lost muscle since turning plant-based. Well, my training has completely changed as well. So, you know, it's, it's quite subjective. To, and, and to measure that would be, you know, quite hard to do. How's, how's the perception of others been? And, and let's just talk your peers for a while, right? Because a lot yep. of other people don't really understand, therefore don't even have opinions about it. But how have your peers taken it? Because all of a sudden when someone you know, you know, decides they want to, you know, go vegan, you know, it obviously, you know, flies in the face of everything everyone else knows. Do you mm. know what I mean? You, you might as well announce you're homosexual. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. kind of this out yeah. there thing that's different. So tell me, you know, how has it been received by, you know, people in the gym, like Form 360 is a big place, right? Yep. Lots of people there, other coaches, you know, your wife's not even vegan. So yep. how's that transition been? Um, yeah, look, it's, it's been fine. Like, everyone's been really supportive. Um, it's, it's, I think these days, because there are more athletes coming out and, you know, they're plant-based and things like that, and it's, you know, you know people I sold, you know, just getting the awareness out there with some cafes, and, and I think it's, it's not so left field anymore. Back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it would have been, and, Yep. And people would have thought that you're a complete, you know, hippie and need to live in Byron. But it's just because health has, you know, become so far and there's been so many, you know, tests and 
you know, studies that have been done and, and it's just proven that sometimes, you know, the, the plant-based options are, are a great way to go for, for, you know, overall health. So, you know, it's been perceived for me very, very well because I'm in, the, I'm in that field, but, um, you know, the, the bodybuilders and the powerlifters, they would probably not tend to agree with my sort of, you know, my nutrition intake, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I guess for me, uh, regardless of whether people agree with it or not, uh, the proof's in the pudding. You know, you're sitting mm. here with 17-inch arms, you know. You, <laughs> you, you, you lean, you train hard, you mm. know what I mean? It, the fact is, for me, you know, that there's always that level of empiricism that comes with a change like this, you know. If you, if you, if you do something and it works, mm. well, you know what I mean? It's mm. like Tesla in his car, you know. If you can get yeah. a car that's running on battery and you can go 0 to 104 seconds, well, you don't need, you don't need petrol and oil, you know. So uh, it might not be the like of what everyone's doing, which mm. therefore might make it difficult for some people to get their head around, but it doesn't mean there's not value to it. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll address this at the two of you, and, and you might even like to take over here, Sal, but I know that you know, in that world, and we'll use the bodybuilding world as the world because it's, it's pretty much the most judgmental world when it comes to muscle growth and veganism, but um, there's a real mindset out there you know, that um, you know, plant-based foods are incomplete proteins, uh, and for our listeners, incomplete proteins are essentially proteins that are you know, limited um, to a certain amount of amino acids and don't give the essential amino acids, the nine main ones that we need that the body can't assimilate uh, itself. And particularly for um, you know, uh, anti-catabolic effects and muscle growth effects, we're looking at those three classics, the branched-chain amino acids, that you just can't get, apparently, from plant foods. Apparently. So, yeah, yeah exactly. So let's talk about that, right? Because, you know, we all know, I certainly know, that there's, you know, a lot of branched chains in, you know, um, you know essentials in, you know, brown rice, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. whole wheat, for instance, chia seeds, hemp seeds, you know, yeah. all good examples of complete proteins. They might be lower in protein, mm-hmm. which of course they are, I think like hemp's 50%, you know, yeah. yet, yet you're still getting a complete protein. So um, talk to me about how the two of you go about, um, and, and if you don't mind, try to, um, for our listeners, bring in the context of, um, of um, protein combining for me, yep. just so people can understand how you can actually take an incomplete protein and make it complete by combining it with another food. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I guess the, the hard thing also is the fact that um, we've being well us as consumers also have this concept of you're getting food then you cook a protein then when you cook a protein you add a starch and then when you add a starch you add some veg type of thing so the the (laughs) complete meal the complete meal as what the normal person is to think but when you change that mindset particularly being in the vegetarian aspect or vegan aspect or all these different types of aspect when you don't look at a thing where you have to combine three different sources and think of it as one meal that's going to bring all those essential amino acids into it, yeah. whether that's um, use what I had, for example, yesterday is an example where it was uh, like a spicy miso tofu with brown rice and hemp seeds. Yeah, um, classic just, example. Yeah, just, just as an example where it was all stir-fried together and I wasn't sitting there thinking... I need the starch, I need this, I need that. It was, here's my one meal that has all these vegetables, being your broccoli, your spinach, cucumber, zucchini, etc., yeah. um, ginger, all, all mixed in with the tofu, the hemp seeds, the brown rice. And it's all combined. You're not thinking from that purpose of, as Jace was saying, there's 300 grams of protein here, there's 50 grams of carbohydrate here, and then there's some veg here that is getting my green stuff in. It's here is all all these great things put together that taste really good, and I'm not sitting there trying to work out my macro micro level of x weight x this. It just tastes good, and I know I'm covering off all bases. Yeah. Um, for me, also being in a similar position where I was trying to play professional rugby league or played some games professionally in in that context, if I was to have eaten that way previously. It's hard, like you said, when you're not doing it now, but I do know from knowing my own body that it's a lot more efficient. Mm. Um, It's a lot more efficient in that I'm not having a carbohydrate spike and dip. It's a lot more efficient in going, I'm not using all this extra energy to burn this meat, red meat or chicken or whatever it may be in in that sense. It's a lot more efficient that I don't need to consume all this water after it to stay hydrated all those things are already built into the one meal. The meal, yeah. So you're not, 
you're not double guessing all these extra additional things. He is going, here's an efficient meal that's giving me what I need yep. directly for my maximum energy source. Yep. Um, and I, right now, I think of things more as fuel to do what you want. Yep. I don't have to think of things as I need to be X muscle bound to do whatever it may be. It, it doesn't really make sense. And I know the bodybuilding, I guess, is the most judgmental aspect in what goes on in that world. But at the same time, who's really, how, what's the population of a bodybuilder yeah. versus general population? Yeah, that's right. I, I, I assume that 99.9% .9 of people are wanting to live a healthier life. Mm. This doing that type of food intake leads to living a healthier mm. life. Yep. Um, and I definitively say 100% that it leads to holding a whole lot more muscle mass. I, I wouldn't say hand on heart that I guarantee know that, but I do guarantee know that it does lead to living healthier. Yep. So to me, that's more important. So yep. when I weighed, when I weighed everything up, it was a case of if, and to be honest, if, if there were studies, I'm sure that it could prove very distinctly. And I know the studies that are out there, people have come back with other studies and, a bit of controversy about that in terms of well, that's science, isn't it? Exactly. Do you know, and, and that's that's a back and forth. Let's, let's so. talk about those studies. Yeah. You spoke about the China study. You know, um, it was convincing in many ways. It's been shot down yeah. in, in just as many. Uh, you know, I guess the most popular is the Epic Panacea study, which um, some of our listeners may be aware of. I'd say that most aren't, but essentially, right. Epic Panacea study is the largest study of its kind. It's a cohort study. It's um, I think it had like something like 520,000 people over 10 European countries. It's been going for 15 years, still not finished. And uh, basically, they've been able to put direct evidence between the ingestion of meat and meat products. Now, this is including, um, this isn't just processed meats like you were saying before, Jason, and you know, bowel cancer and whatever. This is meat, including chicken. And uh, have pretty much just come out and said, you know, meat causes obesity. You know, and there's this, this big correlation between um, adiposity, which, as we know, leads to things like cancer and other autoimmune diseases. And, and that was the reason why um, Venus Williams came off meat. You know, she got diagnosed with Sjogren's disease, which is an autoimmunity um, condition, autoimmune condition, and, um, you know, did her um, due diligence and found that, you know, um, the arachidonic acid and whatnot in meat isn't necessarily adding to my life. And unfortunately, we're not just dealing with meat anymore, are we? We're dealing mm -hmm. with, you know, we're at the beck and call of commercialism and and whatnot these days. So, but um, I think the thing about the uh, the Epic Panacea study that's interesting is it's been flogged um, by some people um, that'll say, oh, it's an epidemiology um, study, and in which case it's always looking at a specific group and therefore it can't be deemed over an enormous um, population of people. Uh, and, you know, I guess the, the main problem with the study is the fact that it's based upon weight. They don't actually look at um, body composition as being their, their, uh, their mindset. But irrespectively of that um, the link is that 250 grams of meat per day or an extra 250 grams of meat per day has shown to increase weight by two kilos over a five-year level you know just across the board so i think that um, even when you get away from veganism it just points to the direction that we really should be consuming less meat anyway yeah, yeah. do you know what i mean so without getting all kind of like oh fucking vegan or not yeah. it's just the fact that excessive meat and certainly you know the amount of meat you're eating jason it just is excessive and, and other than the fact that it you know flogs kidneys and livers it it, it doesn't do you any good yep. you know like so but you know getting away from from the science a little bit um and getting into you know more empirical data i can just say from my perspective i treat a lot of people with chronic disease uh, and there's nothing more chronic than obesity obviously so it's a big thing that i've specialized in over the years and I have had people that have come in that have been on like seriously grand perfect diets, you know, like that, that perfect diet that you, they should be dropping a kilo a week at least that they don't. And um, I've looked at all manner of ways of dealing with this. And uh, sometimes as a ditch effort, I've just taken them off meat, kept them on fish, but just taken them off chicken yeah. and, uh, and, and red meat. And I think I've got a hundred percent success rate of seeing mm. weight drops yeah. off, off meat, you know? So that shits me because yeah. <laughs> I'd be one of those ones that would argue, you know, this fact, you know, 10 yeah. years ago. But I, like everyone else, need to be malleable to the fact that proof's proof, you yeah. know? So um, that's really, uh, that's cool. So tell me, um, 
Tell me, Jason, uh, I just want to talk about bigger picture, and I want to talk about it from a meat eater's perspective. So don't bash me, but I'm just going to say it as it is. You know, vegans are put in that same basket as CrossFitters. You know, they, they can't yeah. fucking wait to tell you that they're a vegan. You know yeah. what I mean? They, there's, there's this real passion and drive, and, you know, and everyone needs to know about it. Uh, not necessarily my thoughts and belief, but that's the belief of lots of people, right? So you boys are people who are more... Um, calculated certainly you sell calculated about it you're looking at it as a nutrition source blah 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 are you guys part of that movement of people that, that push veganism on people or are you just doing your own thing yeah, look I, I don't i don't believe that i'm pushing it on anybody i think you know if they want to look at some resources and things like that and, and draw on my experiences then i'm happy to help but you know i'm not one of those people that sort of sort of really you know strongly sort of advocate on social media or anything like that but it's also yeah. too i think you know, the media in general, uh, probably the one that blow it out of proportion oh, more than anything, they? you know, yeah. like yeah, classic example about you know, the Huffington Post released the, you know, article about the, the lady that died at, you know, Mount Everest and her claim was apparently that vegans can do anything. Yeah. And Huffington Post have sort of, you know, skewed uh, that and, and yeah. sort of, uh, you know, made it come across that, you know, the reason why she died on Everest was because she was vegan. Um, so I think, you know, and she wanted to really get that out there. And I think, uh, yeah, so I, I, can't, I can't speak for myself, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not shoving it down anyone's what, throat. What? I just want to make people aware that, um, you know, there's, there's possibly other ways to... To live, and we are we are caught in this you know system at the moment. And so you'll probably definitely agree that you know we're we're brainwashed by you know a lot of organisations out there about yeah, what we so. what we need to consume. And do do I try and get out there and persuade people's you know minds? I just want them to you know jump on things like this to open their mind that hey there is an alternative and it's not as bad as everyone thinks it's just um, lateral just lateral thinking isn't yeah, it really yeah. Yeah, it's funny though i get on like you know facebook and stuff like anyone does and you know as a media i get sickened by some of those images you know if you've got chickens you know that are so squashed in cages and that and they're growing at such a rate now you're getting a you're getting a fully grown bird now 48 days egg to death do you know what i mean and their growth rate is so significant that they're getting you know fractures in their legs and it's 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 a horrendous life and you know i'm this once again coming from a media, but I'm one of those people that say to other meat eaters that if we had to do the job ourselves, exactly. yeah. no one would eat meat. Do you know no, what I mean? You see these poor fucking cows getting put upside down in these machines and their necks cut, and you know, like it's right. it, it, it's an atrocity, really. Do you know? Yeah. So um, I, I find it just. I, I think you would have to not have a heart yeah. to to just be you know. Um, so able to close the door and say, you know what, this is the way it is and there's no other way, you know? And I think that that word sustainability becomes a big one these days because we won't have all this for forever, you know? Certainly our children won't, you know? And I think that we need to start thinking outside of it. And that brings me to my next point, which is the fact that, you know, people... um, think that the vegan lifestyle is miserable from a micronutrient perspective, you know, so you're going to be protein deficient, we've just discussed that, you're going to be zinc deficient, you know, you're going to be iron deficient, you're going to be calcium deficient, you're going to have all these deficiencies all the time, Mm. Mm. Um, how do you boys get around that, have you had, you know, blood tests, you know, pre and post blood tests, or just based on how you feel, and like tissue perfusion, and conjunctivas, and these sorts of things, How, how do you go about plugging those holes? Well, yeah, I haven't had any sort of clinical tests. I haven't done any blood tests or anything like that. But, um, you know, look, I just basically go by how how you feel. Exactly. And, um, you know, by all... all by all means, you know we've got a new business, and you know we're up at four thirty, and we're home at we're home at eight o'clock, and I've got two kids, and you yeah. know they're not sleeping. Yeah, you, 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 know go, you go you go to a meat eater and say, oh gee, you know, you should really, you know, you're so tired all the time, you should go and get tests and all this yeah. sort of stuff. It's you know it's just all the lifestyle that comes in in play as well. Tell me your your findings, Jace, because I know that you know um, as a trainer, people come to people like you and, mm. and sometimes people like myself to to get advice around diet. Mm. And you know, I, I guess the the easiest way to liken it is you know um, like paleo is linked to CrossFit. You mm. know what I mean? And pretty much every CrossFit box out there, at least half the joints paleo, just because that's kind of what you do. You know, mm. in in your position, people come to you and they talk to you and they're after some advice. No doubt, a certain percentage of those people have decided to become vegan because they look at you and you look good, you're functional, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what has been the findings of that? What, what has been the feedback? Have you found that it's worked for most people or? Yeah. You have? Yeah. yeah. yeah the people that have sort of uh, seeked my, you know, my help and, and look, I'm not going to claim that I'm a, a dietitian or anything like that. 
that's that's my wife's sort of angle. But um, look, you know, if they come to me and wanting some help, I'll give them some advice. And if it if it means that they're backing off their meat, I don't I don't tell anybody to say you got to strip it right back and and do. I sort of just look just look at you know gradually making that transition and pulling that meat back a little bit and just see what happens. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some really good articles and studies out there that you can just, you know, replace your, your good bacteria in your gut by, you know, simply going from that lifestyle to that lifestyle and has proven, yeah. you know, they can be pretty instant as well. So, you know, when we do, when some, someone does reduce meat, then they find it easy to, to, lo- to lose weight, which is what, you, you know, you, you, ha- you experience with your sort of um, patients as well. And it could be just a gut, gut health thing, yeah. you know, um, coming off the meat and, and you have to substitute that meat with something. Yeah. And generally, we want to you know, promote the vegetable side of things. So, yeah, um, you know, it's yeah. funny. Like, uh, you know, mate, I, I'll put my hand up. I've, I've been as big a meat eater as anyone. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, I, I love vegetarian eating. Uh, I wouldn't you know, say I've gone as far as you know full vegan eating, but you know, it's it's the same thing in, in effect. Mm-hmm. You know, with just basic meal plans and meal preps, but. Some of my favourite foods, you know, like uh, I used to have a, a lady that worked for me in one of my health food stores um, that used to make this chickpea um, chickpea curry, yeah. and she used to, um, you know, and she used to use a bit of uh, sheep milk yogurt. I must say, in the end, just to top it off. Right. But she used to make this, you know, this chickpea curry up that was just amazing. And, and back when I was at uni and stuff, um, I used to uh, eat a lot of dal and found dal just. It would just give me energy, you know. Mm. I'd have like brown rice and dal and go and train and train the house down. You know, I was eating a lot of vegetarian food back there. Um, and, and tofu, like I love tofu. I've always liked tofu. But it's funny how many people won't even give these things a go. Yeah. You know, they see it and they go, oh, fuck, what's that? You know, and you go, that's, that's tofu. Yeah. And you know, I've tricked many a friend. As a matter of fact, I've probably got a few friends listening to this. I've tricked a handful of friends into eating tofu bolognese. And I told them, you know, obviously just replacing meat with tofu. Yeah. Um, and because I minced it right up, I told them it was chicken. And so they thought they were having a chicken bolognese. And they would, you know, knock this thing down and go, oh, it's amazing, can I have some more? And I obviously, with yeah. a big smile on my face, tell them it was actually tofu they ate. And I I think that, um, you know, when people start looking at, you know, some of these, um, you know, more sustainable options, even getting away from the sustainability component, they can be made tasty. They certainly can be nutritious and they certainly can be put into a normal, balanced, healthy lifestyle to minimise the risk of some of these cancers Mm. that, you know, meat is most definitely linked to. Mm. I guess, and also too, the biggest um, sort of question I get is, well, no, the second biggest one. The first one is how do you get your protein? That's the biggest question I get. But the yeah. second one is, you know, how do you prepare that meal? Yep. And it's like, well, you know, there's actually more moving parts to cooking a meat-based meal. Definitely. You've got your starch, you've got your vegetables, then you've got to get out in the Weber and cook your meat and things like that. Well, you know, by, by having some lentils and some chickpeas or uh, quinoa, mm. I've just covered, you know, two of my you know, macronutrients in one meal. So it's actually, it's actually easier. And that's that's a really good point. You know, the fact that you guys are eating, you know, your protein through, you know, predominant carb sources. Quinoa is a good example. 18% Mm. protein, I think, Mm. off memory. Um, But one of my favorites, I love quinoa. I say Mm. it all the time. Like I've got a 17 minute recipe for quinoa that doesn't need stirring once. And the stuff will keep in my fridge for six days. And on the sixth day will still turn perfectly with a fork. Unlike something like brown rice that's glugged three days beforehand. And it just, it, makes it easy it makes mm. it efficient and effective in my life and therefore it's an easy thing just to throw in mm. you know yeah. um from your perspective sal um you know you're running a restaurant so you're getting people come in saying you know hey what's this vegan ola thing you know why is this stuff vegan uh, i would imagine also you probably had you know some people you've got friends that have followed the same lifestyle what's your findings been yeah mine mine have actually been pretty good thus far i think um the restaurant was a good proving ground, um, which a lot of, unfortunately, other people didn't have, where I can say, have the protein falafel. Yep. And that's and you can brand it in a way where someone, like we purposely called it the protein falafel, because if I just called it falafel, yeah. people would go, well, I'm not having that. I'll need I want to get, some protein. I'll, I'll get the falafel and then I'll get the side of chicken, for example, <laughs> is what is what the, how they would perceive it. it. Yeah. So... Being able to, I guess, brand things, and branding goes a long way. I, I think that's a thing that is highly underestimated in terms of what happens with the vegetarian and vegan diet. And honestly, vegans brand themselves poorly, and a lot of vegan brands brand themselves poorly. Yeah. I think um, when someone looks at our biscuit whole food brand, they don't look at it as a vegan brand. They look at it as, 
I really like that health food brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you get them across the line for that first, hey, the fact that the veganola contains coconut flakes, chia seeds, goji berries, macadamias, pepitas, contains roughly about 35% protein, 45% fat, only 1% saturated fat, mm. about 20% carbs, very minimal sugar, perfect all-in-one meal. They don't even think about that because they like the, the way the products looked mm. and it wasn't, it wasn't offensive to them in any way. And I found that with whether that be our vegan superfood bars, whether that be our vegan chocolate, Obviously, we already covered Veganola, yep. um, Cocoa Whip. Mate, tell me about that vegan chocolate, because I had one of your Cocoa Whip uh, breakfasts the other day. Yep. I'll, put a, I'll put a picture on Facebook. Mate, there's the presentation spectacular. Yep. But out comes this vegan chocolate, and I was like, here we go, what's this? And it was like rolled up, you know, yep. like a round and log type a, thing, right? Into a flake, yeah. What's in it? It's amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's honestly this simple, and everyone has this thought about chocolate, um, like what goes into chocolate and why it tastes good and they've got this thing of well chocolate's made from milk it's the first thing they think of and yeah. it has to have good milk and then you add a small bit of cocoa lots of sugar and all that type of stuff but when you really look at what it, chocolate is you've got cocoa or cacao bean well you've got cacao bean mm. we and again it comes down to that thing that cacao has this connotation of being um, bitter a lot of people don't like it for that reason. So we went with cocoa um, from West Africa, where I was from, um, and then basically took that, added some coconut sugar to it, um, added some cocoa butter to it. That's all that's in it. Oh, some vanilla extract as and well. And it's spectacular. And, and you roll that through and people are going, because it's branded as chocolate. Yep. Someone, and, and we, don't, we don't go through any, it's called a vegan chocolate, but we don't go through the effort of saying, Contains this, contains that, all that other type of stuff. Brand it nicely. Just say, hey, it's a chocolate. Try yeah. it. It's yeah. not. It, it it doesn't have to be this scary process of. Oh, and taste always sells, doesn't exactly. it? Sell. You know, yeah. it's one of those things that just. You know, it, it wouldn't yeah. matter what it was. You, you know, if yeah. you can make shit taste good, people will have it. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, hey, good. tell me about supplements, boys, because you know, there's another. I'm just trying to throw out some of these myths and truths. You know, uh, everyone's always with the mindset. You know, the vegans must supplement. You've got to have like intra workout drinks, and you've got to have this, and you've got to have that. And you've got to have creatine because you're not getting enough. You know, through meat ingestion and acetyl L carnitines and CoQ10s and yeah. and all the rest of it. Um, you know what? What and anyone can lead, but do you boys supplement with anything? in particular particularly around training jason because i want the mm. you know the the training audience to get a, a feel for this um and uh and what's your reason for or for not taking supplements yeah i, I do use a protein well protein powder yeah um that's a blend of uh, rice and pea yeah um particularly after training so that's something that i do consume um and, and the rest of it is just basically you know fruits and things like that as, as well so yep. Um, and that supplement afterwards, it's a nutrient timing thing, I'd imagine, and just to get like a protein done yeah. quickly. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, there's a couple of good, you know, products out there that sort of have those digestive enzymes as well. So to help with a sort of a bit more nutrient uptake. So, you know, whether whether that's been sort of proven and things like that. But, um, yeah, that's just a simple thing. Um, and every now and then I'll, I'll try a couple of, you know, weeks on, on, on the creatine, but um, I haven't sort of recently for a while. So... But um, did notice some significant changes, like you know, through that creatine as well. So, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah. Yep. How about you, yep. Sal? Yeah. Well, for me, um, the supplementation came about more so again from the health benefits. So, my my go-to was a greens, um, a green supplement like a blend of chlorella, barley grass, wheat grass, all those types of things for alkalinity and obviously the nutrient benefit. And that that. Um, more so came down to all of us being really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, as Jace was saying, you're up at 4.30, you're ready on the go, you'll get home late at night at 9, you're meeting a whole lot of different people, you've got kids, your kids go to daycare, they come back with bugs, germs, yeah. you can't afford to miss a day. And I, I can't, I haven't been sick in six years since I remember from the time I started taking I don't even have a GP because... I don't need to visit there. Yeah. So I think um, that that was my go-to just because I knew that I could get the maximum amount of nutrition from foods. They, they were foods, all they were done was blended down and I could mix it with water, yep. particularly when I need to grab something and run out the door and it can be the first thing I take to start yep. the day off to get to get right from that. Um, I, Jace, also take a 
rice and pea um, based protein um, generally after workouts but also generally just because um, some of the guys that are actually right around the corner from here like Prana Nutrition um, and the likes of that just do unbelievably good tasting um, supplements. Um, I haven't been in the game for quite some time but um, using it, like you said taste cells uh, I prefer the taste of it. It's not a yep. case of saying I use it because of it's vegan or the likes of that type of stuff. It just happened to be the best nutrient-based product and happened to be the best tasting. Yep. Um, and luckily, you fell into that vegetarian-vegan category. So, mm. yeah. Yep. Finishing thoughts, boys? Anything you need to offer or add? Um. Tell people experiences? Maybe, maybe quickly, just for people who go, tell me about their diet. Take, yep. take me through, say for you, Jace, first. Yep. What's a normal day for you? A uh, normal day uh, these days is, um, you know, I'll forego breakfast until... You know, sort of at 11, which is going against the norm, going against the grain again. Uh, I never thought that I would be, you know, saving breakfast until 11 or 12 o'clock during the day because that's what we've sort of been told that you're not meant to do. You're just intermittent fasting, mate. Well, there's (laughs) an element of that. I've actually just come off a, you know, 80-hour fast, uh, water-only fast as well. So I did that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Was Was that a Keegan Smith thing? Um, he's, he, he, he sort of, uh, sparked my interest to look further into it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so definitely sort of took on that and, um, yeah, it was an interesting sort of, uh, three days. How'd you sure. feel? Uh, look, day one felt amazing, trained well, but yeah. then day two, day three got hit pretty hard, you know, by the energy down. levels and things like that. And I probably could have, um, if I last another day or so, then I might've seen the other side of, you know the, the the clarity and the the energy levels that you know people go on about, but yep. um, I did some you know, some did some brain training apps and things like that during. So it was actually it was interesting to see the the brain matter and actually was improving on my brain brain training really? app. Yeah, during that during that three day fast. So, wow. um, and my yeah. nutrient uptake post post fast was unbelievable. So, so give us a normal day. So you have breaky about yep. eleven. Uh, eleven o'clock. That would be uh, oats, chia seed. Um, tight mix with almond milk um, cooked or not cooked uh, raw yeah and so just soaked overnight Um, and then pretty much I'm training anyway so then it'll be like a you know banana and and protein powder sort of type smoothie after training and then it it seriously is probably at least a kilo of salad you know with probably three to four cups of lentil spread out from you know two o'clock through to eight o'clock yeah so it's just a whole bunch of green leafy stuff um you know, your spinach, um, you know, all that sort of, you know, that sort of... All your colours. All your colours and your carrots, your tomatoes and all that sort of stuff. And it could be a mixture of lentils, um, black beans, uh, quinoa, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, mixing that salad with some avocado. Um, uh, kombucha tea. i got my own, you know, fermentation that I do at home. I'm big into my fermented type Fem- products as yep. well. Um, yeah. So sauerkrauts and kefirs and things like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but you know, kombucha tea is, is something that I really like, and really mm. enjoy. Um, what about dinner time? Well, that depends. I'm probably at work still for dinner time, so um, it'll still sort of be that green leafy stuff with all the, the the legumes. Um, so you just take like a big mix, do you, and kind of yeah. consume it across the day? Exactly. That's got to be convenient, right, for yeah, work. Exactly. Yeah, it's that's pr- pretty, pretty cool if you can mix it up and just it's easy mow it over. You know. 12-hour yeah. period. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, if I am home, um, you know, Ange would have cooked me something spectacular. She's a, she's a, a magician in the kitchen. She's also a sports dietitian, so it's pretty handy. Um, and as far as your relationship goes, there hasn't been any major issues because she's cooking herself chicken or fish or steak or something on occasion. Well, well, she'll eat what I eat, but every now and then, you know, she'll put some tuna in the salad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, very... And that's not offensive to you? No, not at all. No. Not at all. So I'm not... Like, going back to what Sal was saying, I'm not one of those vegans who, who got into it because of the cruelty side of things. I got into it, you know, purely from a health point of view. Yeah. And I think there is sort of two categories within uh, meat-free type diets. It's plant-based and then there's vegan. Um, mm-hmm. I see myself as plant-based because... Yep. That's majority of my food comes from plants, um, yep. whereas vegans, you know, they'll use meat substitutes a lot. Um, yeah. I've, I've never consumed... Which is always processed shit, really, isn't it? Exactly. You know, not so bacon that, uh, and not um, chicken and... You yeah, can, yeah. Uh, and, and just the fact of, like, calling something, if, which is the craziest part, like going a vegetarian sausage or yeah. calling it a sausage <laughs> or calling it a bacon... Yeah. I, I don't understand the need to really do that. I saw like, some. I saw like some. It doesn't, fun. it doesn't make sense to be like tofurkey and all these mm. these crazy tofurkey. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a new one that's that's out there. So it's tofu made into what is deemed like turkey, mm. but they it's like vegans 
apparently really loved it. And I was like, but if the whole thing is against cruelty, and again, I'm like Jason, I was more so doing it from performance and thinking plants is a better energy source. Mm, yeah. Why label it as that? Why yeah. label it as exactly. the animal that you are... Trying not to kill. Exactly. Mm. Like, it, to me, it just doesn't make... And, and I'm not saying the vegans do that. But like, I know that, obviously... That's commercial the brand, powers the, the commercial be. powers to yep. be do that, but... Mm. Why is there not an uproar on their end about that? Like, mm. I mean, they've got uproars on a whole lot of other things. Like, why isn't there a pushback on, we on don't naming. want this, yeah. this to be called vegan bacon? Maybe there will be after this podcast. Maybe. I don't <laughs> Maybe we start a revolution. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, no, it could be. I just think it's, yeah, like Jason saying, it, it, it really should be more about the aspect of improving your overall health mm. um, and, and the means to do that rather than the aspect of, I guess, cruelty. Yes, it's important important to place emphasis on that, but I think more important than anything is to also place emphasis on longevity of health for yourself, your parents, your kids. And if, if you get that across to someone, I find that it takes it gets them to the aspect of even just having plants quicker than the aspect of showing them this scare horror, horror video yeah. that you think is is mm. going to completely change their mindset. It's, it's like those ads of people drink driving and then smashing into XYZ, but we're seeing drink driving still going up. Yeah. So the, the whole shock value thing, I, I, I personally don't think it makes any sense. I think if you show someone how they can improve their way of life by doing what Jace is referring to, you'll get a lot more cut through. Yeah. A, a heap more cut through. I know I have with people I know anyway in doing that. So tell us about your diet, Sil. And, and we all know you've got a kitchen, so don't be a smart ass. And <laughs> yeah. I have my vegan chocolate here and don't yeah. give us that bullshit. Just give us, give us a normal day for you. Normal day, um, again, like you said, I'm, I'm a bit luckier than most where I, I get um, access yeah, you to click your of, fingers. Yeah, <laughs> meal presents itself. Food. But my go-to is, um, first thing I'll usually drink is a matcha latte with greens um, to try and reduce my level of coffee that I have to have during the day. Yep. Um, also, the greens being beneficial in all types of ways, the matcha green tea being great for antioxidants. antioxidants yep. So I'll have that with a brekkie salad. The brekkie salad's... Um, on our menu, but it's basically broccoli, spinach, kale, baby beets, sweet potato, the likes of that type of stuff mm -hmm. um, in a fairly big salad portion. Um, lunch generally will be, a, it's called a biscuit burrito bowl, which is brown rice, avocado, navy beans, kidney beans, um, the likes of that type of stuff. Unfortunately, we can't legally as a restaurant or a food group, use hemp seeds in Australia. Yeah. But I have my hemp seeds that I keep there for myself personally. That rubbish. Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. It is nuts. But so I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll because you might a, dehydrate it and yeah. smoke it or something, you know, or stick it in your veins. It's We're madness. Got, it's got absolutely no TMC properties nah. and all, all the other types of that. That it, it is insane to think of, but it is it is what it is in Australia. So fortunately, we can't do that. So yeah. have the FDA approved it? But the government. Holding back on it. Oh, I'm look, sure. yeah. I know that it's been it's been sitting there waiting mm. to to be yeah. legalised a thousand times, and I'm talking six years now. I go to the states yearly, yeah. and there's just been this consistent kind of trend of it sitting there. Yeah, you know, hemp's one of the, the best sources of anything, you know, yeah. clothing, clothing and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, the reason why it's been so successful in America, particularly places like Colorado and the likes of that type of stuff, is the government has worked out a way for it to make money for the community and it's taxed properly and they've created a system. Yep. And if the government's happy, then they're generally happy for it to go through. It doesn't yep. matter what. If they're getting their click or cut back, everyone's mm. happy. In yep. Australia, because it, right now it wouldn't come under alcohol and they don't know where to put it and they don't... Can they GST it? Can they not GST yeah. it? Where, where, where will it sit? If the government hasn't got their act together, unfortunately for the consumer, we all fall behind. Um, yep. And don't have access to this. Well, there's access to it, but there's a big sticker that says "Don't consume for X, Y, Z" and yep. all the other bits. Well, how many hemp shops are there hopping up? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, everywhere. I know Nimbin's got one. No yeah. surprise. But yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, pretty much a, a there's a hemp product for every use you can think of. Yeah, really, it, it makes uh, to me. I view it very similar to coconut. I view it as the protein version of coconut in mm. terms of it's so versatile from 
seeds to oil to clothing to you name it creams you can use it in so many different manners that i I find it insane that Mm. it it is like that but i guess looking at the positive side is i can still go to a health food store buy a one kilo bag of it um and mix it to the stuff that whatever i'm i'm going to consume so and then dinner's fairly similar in the sense that um it'll usually be and i'm a big person on convenience because when you're time poor, you're time poor, you, but you still need to get the right foods. What has been great is the likes of like Woolworths, Coles, doing the quinoa packets um, that are 90 seconds straight Tear through, yep. black rice packets, all the likes of that type of stuff. So it will generally be that as my base, hemp seeds through that, um, a lot of veggies. I'm big on curries too. Um, so I'll usually have a curry base that I'll put through whatever that may be. And there's actually a lot of other really good brands that are doing things like lentil, lentil cakes and the likes of that type of stuff and mm. they've got quite a few different selections on like a Thai variety a Moroccan variety and usually again that's another five minute job that I'll just chuck on top yep. um, and yeah that's that's dinner carried out through then too Nice. Yeah. And you boys tend to, um, you know, do what us Moody's would do and sort of produce extra food for dinner and just take it with you the next day. That's the great thing, though, isn't yeah. it, about vegetarian-based exactly. eating is yeah. the fact that it's not going to kill you the next day. Yeah, you know, we don't get the same issues with, like, salmonellas and, yeah. and the like. No, it's, it's great in that sense that you it, it carries for a long period of time. Um, more than anything, apart from it carrying, is the fact that it still tastes good. I think if, if it was a case of it started tasting bad or off or anything like that, yeah. um, it would make no sense. But when everyone looks at it properly, you can't ferment, for example, meat. Yep. Like you, you don't get benefits of putting something away, culturing it when, right. it's, when it's not plant-based. Whereas yep. you unlock it, like the longer you leave it when you do it right, the more benefits you get out of it. So to me, it works, works perfectly perfectly in the sense that I can put something away I can activate a seed and put it away for a period of time and then come back to it mm. and when you're busy or even if you forget you just go oh sweet I've got that still I, yeah. I don't I'm not worried about it and did it turn two days ago or anything like that mm. so. and what about nuts boys you guys um you know um advocates of do you have like nuts and things yeah. for snacks yeah absolutely I, I have a lot of um you know uh, pumpkin seeds you know, almonds, macadamias, yeah, walnuts, the whole the whole lot. Yeah, yep. coconut flakes mixed through. Yep. Um, yeah, that's probably my go-to snack, yeah. yeah definitely. Yep. Yeah, veganola is pretty much exactly what he said. Mm. Yep. Wasn't. Sounds it's, amazing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So Mate, it is good with a cocoa whip. I haven't had it on yeah. its own, but with a cocoa whip, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty hard to, uh, to yeah, not want. Yeah, it was just perfect in the sense that it was just every ideal nut that we really liked. Um, with the coconut, roasting it, um, and then also pretty much adding the additional protein sources of the chia and goji mm. to it, um, just made it the go-to snack as well. So, mm. yeah, yep. that was good like that. Well, Jace from uh, Perform360 and uh, Sel from Biscuit and uh, Cocoa Whip, it's been awesome, boys. Um, thanks for um, exploring the topic with us. You know, I know that too many people on that vegan side get hung out to dry, and hence the reason why I wanted to sort of bring it to people's awareness, you know, that uh, a, a, you know, a reduction in meat and an increase in plant-based proteins and plant-based living uh, makes sense on many levels and certainly now some scientific ones, which is really cool. But um, have you boys got anything you want to finish with or, or add or say or have you, you said your bit and you're happy? No, it was great. Yeah, yeah it was um, yeah, easy conversation to have, to be honest. So, yep. yeah, it makes sense. So that's yeah. cool. All the best for the future, boys. Yeah, thanks and, for the um, Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.